Well, hello, everybody. I'm Husna Pasha, and welcome to the Happy Chondriac podcast, where we talk all things mental health. And now I know mental health is obviously a very serious topic, and um, that's why I like to bring a little bit of a lighthearted edge to the conversation, because the whole point is I really want people to feel comfortable and vulnerable to be open to talk about mental health and the impact it can have on ourselves and our family and our loved ones as well. Um, today, I've got a really amazing guest um, by the name of Michael. Michael, hi. Welcome to my show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, Hushna. It's a pleasure to be here. So exciting, Michael. <laughs> and, you know, things happen in a very strange way, and especially when you're me, things always happen in a strange way. I met Michael as he washed my hair at a hair salon by the name of Ruckus, one of the <laughs> fabulous hair salons on Collins Street. And let me tell you, the most amazing conversations can happen in a hair salon. Do you agree, Michael? I couldn't agree more, Husna. That is completely correct. And we did have an amazing conversation. We certainly did. And thank you so much because my hair looks fabulous. So as we were talking, I, I couldn't help but be struck by Michael's story around mental health and around substance abuse, which is the topic for today. And I have to tell you, it inspired me. It blew me away. And I know that it will help so many people who are victims of family or friends or parents that have been or are substance abusers. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing about Michael's story. So enough of me. I always talk way too much. But Michael, um, great to have you on the show. So tell me a little bit about um, your story. So you were born where and raised by who? Right. So um, I was born in uh, in Warrigal. I was born in Warrigal Hospital. Um, bit of a like strange birth. Apparently, I had a huge head, so it was a bit of a struggle to to get me out. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think for the first few years, I lived in like caravan or an rv with my with my dad and my mom you know just for the first like i want to say a few months to a year or so i think my mom was a cleaner my dad i'm pretty sure picked berries on a farm making about 300 dollars a week <laughs> wow. so yeah and then um i moved out with my uh my dad and my my grandma and you know and also my grandpa and my sister to Nari Warren. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was a lovely house and I had, you know, made pretty good memories there. Um, well, I've just noticed that you've said your sister, your dad and your grandparents. So where does mum fit into this? Um, so yeah, she moved, um, I'm not too sure, but she moved, uh, back in with her, with her mum or she moved into, um, a house in Doveton where I kind of spent the weekends there and spent, you know, the weekdays, you know, with my dad's side of the family. So I, I know she moved around, like she lived with her mum a bit. She had her own place for a bit. Wasn't really too sure what was going on there, but it wasn't until I was, I think, like three, you know, three to four years old where she, you know, she she moved into that house in Doveton. She had her own kind of place, her own setup. Um, yeah. So, Michael, can I ask you, I'm assuming mum and dad got divorced or they separated? Yeah, they separated when I was about uh, three. And 
it's it's just a strange thing that I'm hearing because you're saying, well, I'm not really quite sure where mum was or what she was doing. She got she had a place in Doveton. So, so what's the sort of the backstory with mum then? Like she always had kind of like a of like a difficult kind of childhood and upbringing. Um, as well as an adult, she's had to have lots of help from her sisters. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess she was a little bit like unstable. Um, you know, she couldn't, um, didn't have like a great job and she was doing a course in like environmental science that she didn't finish. Um, but yeah, I guess she kind of, you know, I think she, she had a job as a cleaner for a bit and she, yeah, she, actually that was for quite a while. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I just haven't, like, I haven't like asked her too, too much about that. Cause I figured, you know, she might, might not want to talk about that, but, um, yeah, I do know that she, like, she was very different to her, like, to her sisters and to her mum and just to the whole, like, family thing. She was, like, kind of, like, 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 like the black sheep of the, of the family in a way. You know, I'm always the black, I've, I've always thought that I was the black sheep of my family, but that's just because I'm really, really crazy by nature <laughs> and I'm just a little bit left of centre and I like to be that way. But when you talk about mum being a little bit different, was she diagnosed with any sort of mental health condition? Uh, no, it wasn't until until she was in a, a mental hospital or like slash rehab place. I, I, I forget when, but yeah, she had lots of like like she she liked to to um like to drink quite a bit and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I guess I didn't really fully like get it until you know like she was in the hospital and you know with all these um you know, like um like these other people who are quite similar to her, right? Like, like I actually understood like, ah, oh, okay. you know, this is what, like, th like this is what's happening. And yeah. And all these things started making sense, you know, like, like little bits and pieces and we were like, ah, oh, okay. You know, so this is what's going on. Um, what were some of those things, Michael, that were, ah, oh, okay. What were those penny drop moments? What was different about mum that you finally realized, oh, okay. Mum's mum's got a mental health condition. She's now in a hospital. Um, you've spoken about her drinking, so she clearly had some issues around substance abuse. What were some of those things that you said, ah, oh, mum's a bit different? Yeah, so um, I think to a, uh, up until grade, I think it was when I was in grade six, she was finally diagnosed with bipolar or somewhere around that time. But but I guess like like she would do strange things. She's very like um um spiritual and very superstitious, like very, very superstitious, like way too, like way more than normal. And um, I remember this one time in uh, grade six where, uh, where she moved, she actually moved back in, back into my dad's house and they started living together, even though they were separated after being split for all these years, she actually lived with us for a bit. And then I remember one time, like I woke up and she was there. I'm like, oh, mum, you know, I didn't didn't realize you were here. And then that she's like acted like so out of character. She like was was saying all these like I was in grade six, by the way, and she, and on, you know, I was telling her about school, and, you know, um, yeah, um, and she's just telling me, you know, like 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 to start being mean to people, to start sticking up the finger at people, to start doing all these horrible things. And oh wow. It it was really scary because her you could see in the tone of her voice and like and just by her face that something was so so off and like she would um 
like read all these articles on the internet like and start believing in all these crazy conspiracies and like just go off on tangents that I had like no idea like how to even comprehend it. Is that scary for a for a kid that's you know 11 or 12 years old to try and understand what's absolutely. happening to their mum? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um like cuz you don't realize like you're not really sure about like what mental health is and stuff like that. Like you don't know that much about the mind, but um yeah, it's absolutely terrifying because um um yeah, because I just want to see my mum like you know, that I just wanted to talk to my mum and you know, like she was there, but it wasn't my mum. It was like some like some like really like self-centered like like teenage like kind of like self like self-absorbed kind of person who didn't really so he kind of was just a really nasty um like personality to be around and I knew that it wasn't my mum but I just couldn't figure out like why she was acting like this towards me I don't know like if I did something wrong so I started trying to be like really really nice to her and then you know um and then yeah she would you know like she would be nice you know for the most part and then and then, like some other times, she would just like switch and get completely, like, just be really mad. I remember one time she screamed at me and my sister because we didn't make her a card for her birthday. This was when I was like nine years old, and yeah, it got it was really bad. I had to, it was it was, it was yeah, it was a really bad time. I had to actually um live with her mum for a bit, you know, just to let her to like cool off. And then she, you know, she came um back to to her mum's house where me and my sister were there like maybe like a few hours later and and she was fine you know I you know we both ran out crying to her sorry to make your birthday card and she you know and she, and she was back to normal so it was just kind of like like it's things like confusing. it's so confusing because like something would happen and then yeah she would like like she would switch and and obviously at that time I'd you know I kind of thought that it was kind of my fault or like I did something wrong and you know and and like yeah and like it no would be one... so easy for a child yeah. to feel that way wouldn't like, it be Michael yeah. yeah and like I had no explanation either like no one kind of explained to me like they just kind of said oh you know well you should have written your mum a birthday card and it was, I just didn't really yeah didn't, didn't really so, get it yeah you know? it sounded like nobody understood what was going on yeah. and so and so I guess you guys found out eventually that she had bipolar disorder, which I guess eventually put things into place for you and helped you understand. How old were you when she was diagnosed with bipolar? To be honest, I don't I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I found out that she had bipolar when uh, not maybe a few a few years ago when she had another like thing like I, I don't know what you call it, like a, a like this other switch that she had, and I had to talk to her sister because I was so upset. And she explains this was yeah a few years ago. I found out mm-hmm. um, like by talking to her sister, and she's like, oh um yeah, you know she suffered bipolar for her whole life pretty much. Um so yeah, and, not... and I'm assuming without assistance, mm. without support from from treaters and specialists to help her through it. Well, that's a bit of a. This is actually actually a really interesting story. She she's been through a lot of mental hospitals, but she talks the staff into letting her go. She like tricks them. She says she's fine. She's okay. And she convinces the doctors that she's better. And, um, and yeah, she, she gets out and my, 
my sister and you know she's always like no she's like she's not well and she just cons her way out of it and and a doctor can't actually keep a person in a hospital against yeah, their will so against their will if, to... if, she, if she's presenting to be okay and she's saying all the right things and that becomes a really difficult scenario when the family probably know better than that so that's a really tough thing that's a really tough time tell me michael what what's it like not having that um the upbringing of a mum and was there a need or a desire for that but but you had your dad around I know and you had your grandparents around you so so how did that feel growing up as a a kid well um it definitely felt like something was off like you know I'd see lots of kids my age with you know with their mum and their dad taking them to school you know all really happy and I just and then I'd you know think back to like you know I'd only spend um, the weekends with my mum, which wasn't nearly enough. Like it, it felt horrible. Like going, one of the worst things about it is, um, staying with my mum for like, for a couple of days on the weekends, going back to dad's and then just like missing my mum so, so much because I couldn't see her and I had no other choice but to go back to my dad's because that's what the deal was. And then vice versa. You know, I spend a week with my dad, go to my mom and end up bawling my eyes up, you know, just because I miss my dad so much, which which made mom angry because she felt like, you know, you see dad all week and now you come to me and you miss him. And yeah, so it was kind of like just both ways. I'd end up missing both parents with which, yeah, was just horrible. But, you know, luckily I did have um, my my um, um grandma who, you know, was always there for me and was, really was that solid like rock foundation my personality but yeah it's definitely kind of like a hole that that just hasn't been been filled yet and um I think a a little bit of a like uh like one way that I you know I guess I've been that um like that I've like coped with it is that I'd make friends like like with heaps of my friends mums to kind of like make up for that the absence of my mum being there. So yeah, I'd you know be best best friends with all my friends. Sounds really weird, I know, but it doesn't sound weird at all, Michael. It actually makes so much sense as yeah. to why you would, you know, sometimes when people grow up without a parent, um, you know, they tend to to look for people that can represent the qualities of a father or a mother figure. Uh, it happens all the time. Uh, people have been raised in different ways and, and the world looks very different. So, you know, mm. we all have different ways that we are raised and we're brought up and it becomes our normal. But I guess in, intuitively we always have that desire, I guess, to be nurtured in some shape or form. So, no, it, it. Makes, it makes so much sense yeah. that you turn to friends, mums as a form of nurturing and care and love. And did you get that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've got. Um, I wanted to mother with... you, and I met you as well. And I'm oh, you can be my. You can be my mum as well. I'm happy to be my friend. And how old are you actually now? You're twenty. I'm. I tw- I'm twenty-one. I turned twenty-one on Friday. God forbid! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Thank you, Hustle. You know, I don't feel old enough to be your mother, but I tell you. <laughs> Geez, you'd be a great person to mother because you're just a splendid human being. So what an incredible story. I remember when we were um, sitting at the basin washing my hair, you shared a story about TikTok and your mum. Yeah, so basically it happened on on, um, Mother's Day 
I um I've been working up the courage to talk to my mum so I've you know always like a little bit nervous about calling her I don't know what kind of state she's going to be in but luckily you know she was you know she was sober stable you know like she's on her meds now so it was a good conversation talked to her about three hours and then she goes now Michael I need your help with something and then um she she tells me that um my friend's sister Maddie was talking to my sister and she goes shows her a video on TikTok and goes hey this is your mum right and um yeah and sure enough like some person had filmed had filmed my mum on public transport on the Frankston line or something like that of and um yeah she was acting out like singing at the top of her voice like just being a nuisance being like you know just being crazy she was clearly, intox- she was clearly intoxicated intoxicated or not on her meds or something like that um yeah and some uh a person like I know his name, but I'm not going to say it, but he, um, he, yeah, he fil- f- yeah, he f- filmed my mum, put it on TikTok and it ended up gaining over 400,000 views. Oh and gosh. so my mum basically said to me, Michael, like, this is ruining like my, you know, like my life, but it's, it's getting harder to find a job, you know, like this is my oh. reputation, the whole reputation. So, um, yeah. You know what I, was- I find really mind blowing about this before I let you continue is that, we all, you know, scroll through TikTok, we laugh at videos, we find things really funny, we end up liking them. And then this really got me um, when we were talking about it because somebody's funny experience watching TikTok is somebody else's really upsetting story. That's right. Um, look, I've always been weird about TikTok. I, I, don't, I don't like I just find it really like kind of scary how you can just sit there and scroll and scroll and scroll and the world will fly by like while you're scrolling and you won't, you know, you won't even know, like you've just not time wasted, but it yeah, just, it just seems off. It? And then um, it's really like, it's just not right. Like, like making fortune off someone else's misery. That's what it is. Like, it's just like such a horrible inhuman thing to do. That I I can't believe that, you know, that, like, that it happens. Well, it's changed the game for me and I no longer like or even watch videos um, since we had that conversation (laughs) because of that, only simply because it put it back into perspective for me and I'm so grateful for you sharing your story because I think it's really important for our audience to hear this and to remember Mm. that that it's somebody's mum, it's somebody's child, somebody's friend um and you could potentially be causing so much extra harm to their lives so so what happened did you manage to get it off tiktok what what happens next well took me about 10 minutes just to comprehend the whole thing but basically but i you know i said to mum, look i promise i will get that video taken down and i basically what i did i um she i searched for the tiktok i found it uh, I found the the guy who posted it, spent all day searching the internet, finally found him on Facebook, sent him a message, um, and I was just like, mate, what are you doing? Like, like this is my mum. Like, put yourself in my shoes. Like, this is ruining her life. How can you, how can you be this, like, this nasty? Yeah, apparently it was one of his brothers that he was, you know, like, that was using his account and stuff like that. But you, I got the video taken down, but... 
Oh, well done. Yeah, lots of angry, lots of angry text messages, pretty much. (laughs) Because it's just like, like I, you know, I get it. It's, it's funny and stuff, but you, you just, uh, you just didn't realize that, um, like, you know, this is real life and stuff like this, like ruins lives, like stuff that goes viral, like it, it, it it can ruin someone's life. And it doesn't matter if the video is taken down 400,000 views, someone could have saved it um so yeah i guess Absolutely. i thought the damage right. yeah i thought the damage you know had already been done well it's extraordinary that you managed to get in contact and it's even better mm. that um i mean whilst the damage to some level was done um you managed to ensure that it didn't continue and it, and good on whoever this person was for at least taking it down when you asked them to i I'm mean glad. yeah i mean that's probably one little small pat on the back we'll give this person um but don't do it again and i would say to people <laughs> i would say to people please remember yeah. this as part of the podcast um today that we're sharing with you that we have to be really mindful about how we treat others and what we choose to engage with on social media um don't follow this stuff uh be a better person than that because I know that we are definitely causing more harm than good to people by just even watching something, laughing at it and liking it. So I hope this story really resonates with so many people. And thank you for sharing and being such a superhero for helping your mum with what thank must you, have been a really, mom. really difficult thing. Um, you know, with all the experiences that you have gone through, um, I feel that you're really blessed because you've had the opportunity to still live with family, even yeah. though it looks different. It's still great support, and it sounds like you have still been loved and cared for, which is such great news. Can I ask you a really personal question here? Have you yourself ever suffered a mental health uh, problem yourself? I mean, yeah, I I guess everyone gets nervous and anxious and, like, thinks a bit too much in their day-to-day life. But, um, no, I'm I'm pretty happy with my state of mind. Um, I haven't really, like, been diagnosed with anything. Yeah, haven't, you know, like, obviously everyone gets sad and lonely at times. Yeah, I guess I've managed to, like, not have mental health issues. Like, I, you know, obviously I've talked, I've talked to, you know, like some therapists, stuff like that, you know, just for the sake of, uh, like, um, um, like, of just reaching out. But, yeah, no, I haven't, um, like, I guess, like, I've been lucky enough not to really suffer from any, like, any severe sort of mental health issues like obviously I, I, like like you know i could have some like you know like really anyone could but i yeah i haven't really been diagnosed with anything so yeah as far as, far as i know i guess of yeah it sounds like you're okay to me michael to, yeah <laughs> haven't had to go through um yeah any of that stuff and i think that it's what, what's more incredible about you with is is the things that you've been through and here you are saying well no actually like, i think i'm i'm pretty okay i mean Yep, I've seen a couple of therapists to sort of debrief to make sure that I'm doing okay, but otherwise I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. And, you yeah. know, people can go two ways. I, I know with, um, uh, you know, parents or, or family or people that have been um, dependent on substance and have been substance abusers, sometimes children can either become exactly the same and fall into the same trap or they can go the other way um, and say, well, I don't want to be like that. Which way did you go? I think I know the answer to this, but which way did you go? From that whole experience of um, of my mum drinking and, you know, like, like she guess she, you know, she had her time where 
she actually was on certain substances that you know she has told me about and um um and yeah and that I've known about yeah I kind of tried to you know like done my best to stay away from that stuff you know obviously um obviously I'm who I am and you know sometimes when I like to relax I do things that <laughs> that relax me but uh, I'm always aware that um that there is a path where you can go down to the point of no return and um i have to realize when that path is getting a little bit stronger and i have to tell myself i have to like like tell me i have to like say hey michael you know like all right get your shit together come yeah. on st- stay on track stay on tracks and yeah that's like yes just really all it takes so that's really great powerful thinking because i think we've all been there done that and everyone's taken something or another or or, you know, find ways to relax, but it's that conversation of knowing what's too much, when to stop, when it's not okay. And it sounds like you do a really good job of the self-talk piece and and really making sure that you don't take yourself down a path that you don't want to be down because you know what it can do. And, and that's what it sounds like to me, that you're pretty together in that way, Michael, which is amazing. Um, gosh, being, being in the hair industry, though, you must have been through lockdown and – and that must have been tough. Were you as resilient even during lockdown? I need to know because these viewers <laughs> are going to think you're a superhero. So come on, Michael. Is there anything that, that, that challenged you in any way? How was lockdown for you? Lockdown for me actually changed my life for the worse and the better because before I was doing working as a hairdresser, I was, um, I was studying a, a sound production course at RMIT. And it was a diploma of sound production because I thought, you know, out of high school, I'm like, you know what? I want to do music for the rest of my life because it makes me happy. And so, um, yeah, when the first lockdown hit, um, uh, yeah, it went all online. It went all on Zoom and my motivation just went straight to zero. Um, And then, but it made me realize something. It made me realize that I don't actually want to study music. I want to make music. I don't want to learn about like sound waves and like the <laughs> science behind speakers and stuff like that. I just want to make music. And so I'd skip classes and just make music. And then I realized that, you know, I've, I'm paying all this money. And so I should probably get out before it's too late. So it kind of <laughs> switched paths. It, it kind of made me switch careers in a way. And then um, after that, I, um, like this other thing, great thing that lockdown did for me is that um, uh, I went on, um, well, I started making a lot more music and I started kind of trying to do that because I was like so lonely because I couldn't see any of my friends. And I'd think about all the times in high school, I was having fun partying. And then I'd think about how isolated I was. And then, um, yeah. And then right before, and then, yeah. So that was the first lockdown. We've had quite a few but I guess like the ways that I've been like coping with it. Yeah. Just uh, trying to stay in contact with as many friends as I can. Like, even if it's like calling online for a few minutes, but, but like, I guess the main thing is like having the outlet of just making music because there's a lot of like stored up energy um, that I have. And I guess the only way that I can that I could stop myself from being lonely and going down that kind of path is to kind of just sit in front of the computer with my guitar and just like make something. This I keep on playing until I make something, and then 
And it's not until when like I have that burst of creativity, you know, like, like that's when I, you know, um, yeah, that's when everything comes together and I feel whole again. So yeah, I think, I I think having an outlet. I just love that. And, um, you know, even in my day job, I always encourage people that ever feel sort of socially isolated or isolated people that even have mental health challenges that may feel a little bit alone. I'm all Mm. about uh, creative expression or expression, whether it's journal writing, speaking to a friend. I love to hip hop dance around my house. My kids think I'm back crazy, (laughs) but, uh, but, you know, talking to somebody, I, um, you know, speaking to the places like Headspace or Beyond Blue or, yeah. or there are so many avenues out there but expressing it is so much better than bottling it up and I find you amazing that you find ways you know I was trying to trick you there and see you know even if lockdown had any impact on you but you know you came back again soaring <laughs> as the Michael that I've discovered not with you flying are. colors but I, uh, I did bounce back <laughs> I'm happy just to amazing say. so you did so so I have actually um listened to a little bit of your music it's Thank you. really amazing. Uh, tell me a little bit more about your music because it's really quite awesome and it's, it's inspirational music. Mm. Um, so I've always thought my music would be good for like 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 movies or TV shows or like a theme song or something like that. So I guess that's kind of the genre I head towards. But like really, my music like is whatever you want it to be. Um, but it's kind of just a um a reflection on me actually like it's just it's basically it's basically all me it's it's every single part of my brain like coming together as one well i can definitely hear you in your music from hearing you online today and i'm sure everybody that's listened to our podcast today uh is definitely getting a feel of the sort of human being that you are and it's really inspiring so um i'll definitely be putting a couple of links um on your music for sure michael because i would like other people to be able to listen to your great stuff um now before we end this podcast i would definitely want to ask you what are some of the key messages you could give to people that have been or are in your position um yeah so it definitely depends on like what the issue is and you know like like people have different mental health problems <clears throat> but the one thing that I've learned from talking to my mum's sister is that um is that you your first I guess line of duty is to try to help them as much as you can but in saying that there is a line where you have to draw where you have to kind of put them out of your mind and stop focusing on them because it, it's hard because you know because um, because they're family and you love them, but you still have to push yourself to be your own person and you can't let them like define who you are because like they have that power because they're your parent and they are you, they're a part of you at least. But um, you have to realize that um, that everyone is themselves. No two people are the same. And um, yeah, um, and like, yeah, whether you like or not, you're going to have to go on your own path and um yeah that's probably like the best advice you know that i could give to anyone you know whose family members are suffering from substance abuse uh, abuse mental health problems anything at all is that just focus on making your life the best um that you want it to be because in the end you are not them you are you 
and it's important probably to understand that there there needs to be some boundaries set because there's boundaries so that's yeah that's right yeah, it's, the, it's the boundaries it's yeah that boundaries. makes a lot of sense especially when you're a young child um that had been subjected to I guess so many challenges around what mum went through. So I can understand that boundary setting is really, really important. And the last thing I would ask you is, do you think it is really important to seek support? I know that you had, you know, your dad around, you had your grandparents, you even had your great grandmother who you still get to live with a 91 year old trooper. I remember you telling me at the hair salon, but yeah. do you really think it is important for people to seek support? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's no harm in it. If you are going through something, like just do yourself a favor because um, there there are tools that that you can use, and it's important to use those, you know, um, to use those tools and to use the right tools um, for the job. You know, even if it's just like 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 just one person, because most people most people are actually like, you know, like that they're actually okay. They just need that little nudge. You know, like even when I first met you. Like all it took was that one conversation to kind of spark this whole thing. So yeah, just get out there and um, just go for it. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that we sparked that conversation over a basin, Michael. You've been <laughs> such an inspiration. I know that um, these conversations can definitely trigger people's feelings and 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 what they're going through. So if people do feel that these conversations are difficult, um, the Lifeline Crisis Support Line is always available, 131114. I always would like to just make sure that people are aware of the supports out there. And there are so many things that you can access, places like Beyond Blue, um, Headspace. There are some great apps out there. I'll continue to share some of them across um, the episodes that we have uh, at the Happy Contract podcast. But, Michael, I am so glad that I came to Ruckus to meet you. <laughs> I'm glad you did too. <laughs> I am really, really honoured and humbled that you have shared this story. You are a really, really great kid. And um, I hope that we together today have really helped others understand the importance of what substance abuse can do and mental health uh, disorders and challenges. And most importantly, the impact that social media can have um, on, on us. And, you know, what a funny story is to us is not necessarily um, a funny story to somebody that's going through these challenges. Um, may I make one more little note? Please, Michael. Why not? Oh, so I um my a new song is coming out on my Spotify page. Um, a song called "Floating Away," and I just wanted to like just to say talk a little bit a little bit about the song. It describes that when you're talking to someone and then like you just have no idea what you're saying and your mind's off in a separate world. This is the song that matches that description. Just keep that in mind when you're listening to it because you'll understand it. So, yeah, um, coming out in four days on under the artist Nash. So, yeah, get excited for that. I'm absolutely <laughs> excited for it, Michael. I'm so happy that you're pursuing your music. You sound like an absolute champion. I love your stuff. And for Thank people you, listening, sure. support people like Michael out there. I'm all about the unheard stories of Australia, and I'm all about making sure people are heard. So thank you again, Michael. This is Husna coming from the Happy Chondriac podcast. Talk to you all thank soon. You.